Welcome to Animal Chat, an Alberta SPCA podcast, where we talk about animal welfare, animal behavior, and animal protection. I'm Dan Kobe, and thank you for listening and for being passionate about animal welfare and compassionate for the animals in our province. November is Family Violence Awareness Month, so our focus for this episode is on the link between animal abuse and family violence. My guest today is Patricia Mamick, the director of the Alberta SPCA's One Family Welfare Department. Welcome to the podcast, Patricia. Thanks for having me, Dan, and hi, everybody. Now, our uh, One Family Welfare Department does so much, and we're not going to be able to cover it all in one podcast episode, but let's start and talk about the link between animal abuse and family violence. What does the research show us, Patricia? Well, basically, um, in like a nutshell, uh, the cruelty connection kind of shows how animal cruelty and other types of violence occur together. And to be more concise, I guess, is when people suffer, animals suffer and vice versa. And the way we look at it is when you see animal abuse and animal neglect, you often see other types of violence as well, such as child abuse or elder abuse and then domestic violence. So what the statistics would show us then, Patricia, is that uh, a lot of people will remain in uh, vulnerable, dangerous situations because of their animals, correct? Yeah, and I guess so in going back a little bit, in 2012, we actually did a study um, that interviewed various rural shelters for women in Alberta. And the study results kind of showed that almost 60% of women with animals would not want to leave their abuser because they didn't want to leave their animals behind because they knew that the abuser would harm the animal. Um, and then in the study, we also found that I don't remember the exact number, but about 85% of threats against the animals were actually carried out by the abuser. So in these situations, what you see is that the animal becomes a bit of a pawn in what is a very dysfunctional relationship? Exactly. And then so often what you'll see is that the perpetrator of abuse will often use the animal to control the victim. So they'll use threats like, if you leave me, I'm going to harm your animal. Or um, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to make sure that your cat suffers, things of that nature. And so in these situations, the uh, the survivors, as you mentioned, uh, often remain in harm's way instead of leaving. Why is that? The main reason is that there's actually no shelters in Alberta or even in Canada for the most part that allow you to bring your animals with you. And because these people don't want to leave their animals behind because often the animal is all that they have, it's the only positive relationship they have, um, they just choose to stay in the abusive situation because they can't fathom leaving their animal behind to go to a woman's shelter. Yeah, from what I understand, Patricia, that the animal ends up, they're almost a bit of a counselor for the survivor, correct? Yeah, so often um, a lot of these individuals end up being isolated from family and friends because that goes with the cycle of abuse and abusive tactics that you'll see in most um, family violence situations. And because they're isolated from family and friends, they don't really have anyone to lean on. So that animal ends up being there confidant it ends up being their family member their best friend which is then why it's easy to understand why they wouldn't leave that animal behind if they had to flee the home exactly like I've heard time and time again and so has our pet safekeeping coordinator that 
without the animal, the person would not be able to go on. A lot of the time people say that the one thing that kept them sane, one thing that kept them from um, committing suicide or, you know, doing other really negative maladaptive behaviors was that animal. And the perpetrator knows this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They know that the animal means the world to them. So it's the perfect um, weapon. So this is where our pet safekeeping program comes in. Explain a little bit about uh, what we do with that program. Okay, so the pet safekeeping program has been around since the end of 2013. And basically, what we do in the program is provide temporary accommodations for animals that belong to survivors of family violence. Um, and in addition to the temporary placement that we provide, we also do a lot of different programming. Um, not going to go over everything, but I guess some of the common things that we do with everybody is we do safety planning. Uh, we do crisis intervention. We have relationships with a whole bunch of different agencies in Alberta. So we do a lot of community resources and referrals. And then we're there just to provide confidential support as well. So talking about the temporary care that we offer, maybe explain what a situation would look like, uh, how we would get involved and how we would help the animal. Okay, so it happens in a lot of different ways. As you can imagine, every case is a little bit different. But some of the more common ways that we get involved is we'll have a crisis intervention worker call us from a woman's shelter and say, hey, I'm on the other line with a woman who has two dogs and a cat and she really needs to come into shelter, but she won't come in unless we have somewhere to put her animal. And at that point, there's paperwork that's filled out. We talk to the client and then we figure out a very quick way of picking that animal up or providing a confidential drop-off location. Another way could be if it's a more uh, life or death situation and you have the police involved, the police will sometimes remove the animals and place them in like a holding facility temporarily and then give us a call and then we'll get involved that way. And then other times it's the individual that calls us themselves uh, they've called 311 or they've Googled information about temporary pet placements and they found us. And from there, we'll do an assessment with the owner, um, fill out paperwork, and then very quickly get that animal into our care so that the individual can go to a shelter. And so this person goes into a shelter for um, three weeks at a time, I'm guessing, and, and then we care for the pet in the meantime. Exactly. And so generally speaking, everyone starts off with 21 days, just because that's kind of the standard shelter stay. But then, as everybody knows, the economy is a little bit difficult. Finding housing is uh, very complicated, especially if you have animals. So often that time is extended. And so what uh, becomes of the animal while we have it in our care? Explain what our care looks like. Okay, so when the animal is in our program, we actually uh, do a lot with the animal. And it's not just that we place the animal into like a small little cage and leave it there for 21 days. We actually do uh, medical with the animal. So every animal that comes into the program has a medical intake, which includes just a basic health check and vaccines. We also do spay and neuter with every animal that comes into the program. Uh, then when we have a chance to assess kind of what kind of behavioral needs that animal has, we place it in a suitable boarding uh, location and there they get different kinds of social socialization. Uh, they get 
toys, they get treats, they're treated very much like a member of the family. And this goes on uh, up until the person is ready to welcome the animal home, correct? Exactly, yeah. And from what I understand, a lot of the people who are in shelter, um, again, updates on how their animal is doing is what keeps them going, correct? Yes, exactly. A lot of the time, like people say that they're the updates and photos that we send them of their like cat uh, playing with a toy or their dog going for a walk um, is kind of what gives them hope to continue to work to get their situation on track. I bet those uh, reunions are the best part. Yeah, they really are the best part of the work that we do. We deal with a lot of really difficult situations, but seeing the love that the person has for their animal and the love that the animal has for their human is really amazing to see. When the animals are returned, we offer a bit of a a, a starter kit, if you will. Yeah, so uh, when animals are returned back to their owners, everybody leaves with food that they've been on to make sure that there's no upset uh, stomachs transitioning to food we provide beds toys um everything that that particular species will need uh because we have a lot of different types of animals that can come in no farewell package is the same but then in addition to the supplies we also provide a uh, resource package that has phone numbers and information that the individual might need in the future that could also include low cost uh, vet service information things of that nature we try and set up the family um, for success as best as we can. Because in a lot of cases, they've left uh, without the things that they need for those animals. Exactly. We've seen many, many times how people truly just leave with the clothes on their back and like one little duffel bag. So they often don't have anything when they start their new life. Now, as you mentioned earlier, that uh, when people suffer, so do their animals. Uh, we know that. Um, this isn't just about uh, family violence. We see it in all sorts of other situations as well. Uh, so the Alberta SPCA expanded the scope of the program in uh, 2018 to bring in the crisis care program. Tell me about that program. Okay. Uh, yeah. So basically what we found is that a lot of people would contact the pet safekeeping program and not qualify because they were dealing with something like a medical emergency or a mental health emergency, or they were homeless. And we often had to say no to people every single day. And then we realized that there was a population of people that we weren't helping that we could be helping. So the crisis care program provides uh, reprieve to individuals that are either uh, experiencing homelessness or addiction issues, basically anyone who's in crisis and is unable to care for their pet at that time. And so the same parameters, we take the animal into care for as long as we need to? Exactly. It's the exact same setup, except we help people in crisis and not in domestic violence. And so the animal stays for 21 days, an extension is provided if it's needed. And yeah. And what are the types of situations that people might find themselves in? Okay, so a common one that we get is let's say that an older individual needs to go for emergency surgery. We've actually had individuals call us while they're having a, a breathing issue and the ambulance is on site, but they're refusing to go into the actual ambulance because they don't want to leave their cat behind. So in that type of situation, we'll step in and take the cat so that the elder individual can get life-saving medical uh, procedures. Another situation is we've actually unfortunately 
seen an influx of individuals who've either attempted suicide or who have suicidal ideation. And in that situation, we'll step in, remove the animals so that the pet owner can get the help that they need. Um, there's been a lot of job loss and housing, lack of adequate housing. So yeah, we step in in all kinds of situations. Some people might wonder, Patricia, why we're in uh, this uh, space, if you will, um, because we're helping people as much as we're helping animals. Uh, the mandate of the Alberta SBCA is to ensure that every animal in Alberta is treated humanely. Um, so why do we move in this area? Okay, the reason that we help people is because you have to help people in order to help the animals. The animal very much depends on the owner to provide all of the necessities. And if the owner is not in a good place, if the owner is in crisis, if the owner is affected by violence, that means the animal is as well. So we've learned to both through research and experience over the years that in order to kind of make long-lasting changes in that animal's life, we have to provide help to the person as well. Some people may ask uh, if, if someone, say, is homeless, um, perhaps they're not in a position to properly care for the animal, why we aren't just taking the animal um, away from that person. How would we answer a question like that? Yeah, I guess that we've, yeah, you see this a lot on, like, social media where people think that, like, individuals who don't have housing uh, need to have that animal removed. But in a lot of situations, what we actually see is that animal is very well taken care of. And what I mean by that is we have people who may be living on the streets or maybe living in a tent in the river valley, but all of the money that they do get or any resources that they do have, they put towards that animal to make sure the animal has food, a warmth, um, vaccinations. Uh, we've dealt with a lot of people who uh, very much put that animal above their own needs, who will feed the animal before they get food themselves. And it's a very positive relationship. And often the individuals who don't have housing, this animal is all that they have. It's the only thing that uh, keeps them alive. It's the only thing that gives them hope. So it would be tragic to keep the animal away from the individual just because they don't have housing. So the crisis care program, uh, it's new for us. It's somewhat revolutionary uh, in the country as well, is it not? Um, yeah, very much so. So um, we're actually one of the few animal welfare agencies that has been able to create a program like this to help the pet owner um, a lot of people uh, look to us for guidance on how to start their own programming. And yeah, we're very fortunate and happy that we have um, this program going in Alberta. So this is a, a good uh, opportunity to, to toot our own horn a little bit and, and let everyone know that um, because of our crisis care program and the work that we do and our experience and expertise that yourself, along with uh, Pet Safekeeping Coordinator Julia Ivasiak, you both have been invited to speak on a, uh, a national stage uh, about what you do and, and how you do it. Yeah, so basically we're going to be speaking at the Humane Canada Violence Link Conference. And this conference looks at the link between interpersonal abuse and animal abuse. And it kind of looks to see how we can solve the service gap between human welfare and animal welfare. And Julia and I are going to be talking about our department. So One Family Welfare plus the different programs that we offer, which is the Pet Safekeeping Program and the Crisis Care Program. 
Now, the the violence link, uh, the the domestic violence part of that is fairly well known across the country. But the crisis care program that is fairly unique to what to, to our province and what you do, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Like, thankfully, the cruelty connection and the violence link um, is gaining a lot more uh, popularity and people are starting to understand it more. But there still is gaps in services and there still are a lot of people who don't understand the importance of keeping pet owners together with their animal in other crisis situations such as homelessness. Now, these programs, we should mention, are completely funded um, by our supporters uh, through donations and the other fundraising that we do here at the Alberta SPCA. Um, and uh, I know that you apply for grants wherever you can as well. Um, but without the help of Albertans, we could not do this. For, fortunately, most people won't find themselves in a situation where they, they need our help caring for their pet. But if they would like to help out with the program, how can they do so? Okay, there's actually a couple ways that people can help. So we're always in need of new pet care items. And one item that we're always, always, always needing is medium and large dog kennels and cat carriers. We also always need wet cat food and bedding because that stuff usually isn't donated as often. Um, and then monetary donations are incredibly helpful because that's what allows us to provide medical care to the animals and to pay for boarding and basically provide um, the best care possible for the animals in our programs. So when people make a donation to us uh, for these programs, that money directly and immediately helps an animal or a set of animals. Exactly. Without the monetary donations and all the hard work that our fundraising team puts together, there's no way that we'd be able to help animals or people in this province. All right. Well, it is uh, coming up. Uh, we're recording this in October, but November is Family Violence Awareness Month in Alberta. Um, an important time to talk about these issues and make sure that everyone um as many people as possible know both about the program so that they get the help they need uh, and that these issues exist. Uh, Patricia, thank you very much for joining us today uh, on Animal Chat. Thank you so much for letting me chat about this uh, incredibly amazing department. Thank you, Patricia. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, you can go to Alberta SPCA's uh, website, albertaspca.org, or the One Family Welfare website, onefamilywelfare.ca. And if you like this episode and found the information useful, we encourage you to subscribe to Animal Chat wherever you get your podcasts and give us a positive review. That really does help as well. Also, tell your friends and family so that we can get the message out to as many people as possible. Thank you for listening.